What's up, dirtbags? Welcome to episode 215 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. I am Scott Sturman, and as always, I'm joined by my dude, Matt Deitch. What's up, man? Not much, dude. How about you? <laughs> my dude. My dude. My dude. Uh, you know, I, what do I always say? My my buddy or my, my buddy, Matt my, you're my dude this my time. Dude. We're my dudes dude, we're dudes this time. Yeah. Just a couple of dudes dude. talking fish. He's a dude. <laughs> He's a dude. We're, we're all dudes. dudes. Yeah. What was that yeah. off of? Good Burger. Good I think. Burger. Yep. Welcome, to, Welcome good to, burger. to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? Yep. Oh man, yep. good boy. Burger. Yep. We're, we're Good Burgers. None of them dirt bags from Mondo Burger. That's right. Piss on them guys. But uh, no, I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Right on. Uh, this week's episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Dakota Angler. They're basically the good burger of Sioux Falls. Yep. Uh, not uh, to be confused want, with those wanna, morons from see, Mondo Burger across the way. I, I Josh, see, up. Josh up. <laughs> Welcome to Dakota, Dakota Angler, Angler, home of Dakota, Dakota Angler. Angler. <laughs> can, I, <laughs> can I get you a scoop of minnows? <laughs> I double dog dare you to do that, Josh. But uh, select mimic minnows, uh, $1.00. Johnson pre-rigged grubs, $2. Rapala rip stops, $7. Uh, that's just a couple of the specials they've got going this week. Uh, as mentioned last week, they've got those uh, Blackfish Gale vests uh, branded with Dakota Angler's logo. I got one, like I said I was going to. Freaking awesome. Uh, I'm telling you, that if, if, if they still got them, uh, it's still vest season, guys. I know we got oh, uh, yeah. practice summer of a couple days of 80. But, <laughs> practice uh, summer, yeah. Yeah, that's all that was. That was just practice summer. But uh, for sure, for the next two, three weeks, uh, we're still going to be down in the 50s. Uh, even us, I think we got a low uh, maybe this weekend down like 24, 25. Like yeah, it's still going to uh, be chilly. Yeah, get the ice gear back out. Get the ice <laughs> gear back out. But, uh, nope, uh, Dakota Angler, uh, get up there. Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, the absolute best bait shop, period. But if you can't get there, www.dakotaangler.com. Use code DIRTBAG at checkout. Save yourself a little extra coin. That is exactly right. Nothing better than saving a little extra money. There's nothing better. So then you can go up there and buy a scoop of minnows or something. That's right. That is right. But, uh, Matt, there's a lot of stuff uh, going on. Uh, it's actually been a pretty busy week in the fishing world uh, this last week i know there's a lot of days when we get together and it's like dude Ooh, literally yeah, like nothing happens yeah, like, no, and it's not like nothing happened in the last week nothing's happened in the last four weeks like yeah. this has been a down <laughs> month but uh things are starting to happen they're starting uh, to pop off yep uh, ice is getting off uh, a lot of lakes uh uh, winter kills, obviously all the rave right now. And, uh, later on in the show, we've got Scott Mockentoon on, uh, gonna dive into, uh, what exactly this winter kills looking like, uh, especially in, uh, Southwest Minnesota, where, uh, Scott does a lot of his work with the Minnesota, uh, uh, DNR, but, uh, big stone is flooding. Yeah. Um, that looks like it's pretty crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Uh, uh, my house flooded back in 2014. I know what that is like. It uh, it's absolutely the worst. Uh, um, I don't know. It's 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 terrible. So I feel bad for all those people on Big Stone that are dealing with it. Hopefully they uh, they had a little bit of time. Uh, could see it come and get uh, the things out of your house that uh, that you want to get out. Uh, I think it was Artie's had uh had a picture um down like in their crawl space underneath of their house obviously they had no basement because uh the water table so high but uh they had a crawl space and like they're like in their living room have the crawl space cover open and 
three inches below is, is freaking water. water. Like, yeah. they've got a deck out in front of their cabin, and it looks like you could just step right off that deck, be perfectly level with water. water. Just freaking crazy. And, uh, yeah, you, you, you know, it's a, it's a helpless feeling. You can't call the fire department. No. You can't call, you know, somebody to, to do something. When, when water's that high, it, uh, you, you're not sandbagging. You're not no. doing nothing. It's, it's, there's no stopping. It's a waiting game, and Mother Nature's a bitch. So. Yeah, especially with the force that water has, and especially you throw some ice in there. It's just crazy, the power. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, ben Milliken, uh, Ben Milliken, yes. Omaha native, I believe, or down in the Omaha area. Uh, we'll just call it Eastern Nebraska. Goes ahead and wins himself a uh, uh, Bassmaster Open title yeah. uh, in dominating fas- fashion too. We're not even. I mean, it wasn't like a half-ass domination. No, Holy moly! He, he could have like given eleven pounds or something like that. He was twenty pounds over over third place. He right. won by eleven pounds. But he was twenty pounds over uh, third place. He could have given them poor boys in day four, and I don't know that <laughs> anyone besides second place would have caught him. No, I don't think so. Unbelievable, um, you know. And and the thing is, you know, it's not like uh, it's not like well, you know, that's his home pond. You know, I, I think he's living down in in Texas somewhere, so maybe it's far east Texas, close there to Manny, Louisiana. But uh, it was Toledo Bend. Uh, I I mean, I don't think that that's uh. I don't think that that's what he would consider probably a home body of water. No. There's a lot of dudes there that uh, are fishing it that, you know, have been fishing it for 30 years. Uh, Pretty incredible. Yeah, it really was. I mean, you know, I think that he uses his forward-facing sonar so well, and, you know, he throws those big swim baits. I think he's able to – he's got it so dialed in to picking those big fish on because actually one of the first opens this year – the day one he went out there and crushed him and led after like the first day or was in like oh, second really? or something like that and then you know he didn't have a good second day or something like that because we all know that's how you know those big when you're hucking big swim baits you don't know it's, it's kind of hero or zero with those yep, things yep. you see it a, you see it a lot like you know on the Carl series. Yeah. Well, and Chris Aldane Steve Kennedy yep I mean they go down there and Austin they'll you know they'll get 28 pounds the first day and it's just like oh yeah but they and might they, only have three fish right but yeah <laughs> you know, and then they go three out, nine pounders then no, they go out there kidding. the second day yep. and yep they absolutely. catch 11 or 12 pounds off of like a couple fish i mean yep. they just they found the quality they just couldn't find the quantity of them yep. but he was able to put this i think day one he had like 29 pounds day two he had like 26 and then day three the final day he had like 21 or 22 so you can tell like with that pattern it's just you know, you got to have at least one of those big bags, and he did. I mean, yep. and I don't know. You kind of texted me the other day and asked if it like legitimizes YouTube fishermen. And um, one thing about Mill with with him is the dude is fishing all the time. I think, right. I think like with these YouTubers, um, to me, does it legitimize YouTube fishermen? I really don't know if it legitimizes them because I mean, this is a goal of his. Like to make the elite series to fish like at the ultimate level of bass fishing, along with doing the YouTube thing, he's kind of did it backwards. Where, you know, like a lot of the professional fishermen are professional fishermen first, and then they've got into the YouTube game and produced YouTube videos. I think this is something that's propelled him there, but he's had the motivation to, like, focus his videos 
on like that being his goal. So he's spending a lot of time on the water and right. it's not just filming. It's like, he's genuinely trying to get better at fishing and right. he has. Well, I, I think that, I think that there's some other, uh, YouTubers that have also kind of gone down that, uh, that hole, but just didn't find the success quite like Ben Milliken has. Uh, I know that Rob Turkla, um, with with the Guggen Squad, is that Lunkers TV or is I that? Think yeah, so. I think it's Lunkers TV. I'm not even sure, but uh, I think he fished uh, some of the National Professional Fishing League uh, last year. Uh, maybe that was already two years ago. Um, kind of got his teeth teeth kicked in uh, off the bat. Um, I know that there was some talk that maybe he was dealing with some mental health issues. Uh, um, you know, past veteran PTSD, whatever. Um, and, and uh, you know, caused him to kind of leave the circuit. Maybe that is what it was. Maybe it's not. Uh, not my not my place to judge it. But uh, you know, I I think I, I think anyone that bass fishes has a certain little bit of them that that you know wants to wants to do it competitively. And, oh, yeah. and obviously, if you do it a little bit competitively, obviously the dream is always to you know to to get to that elite series and and. Uh, you know, fish at the highest level of bass fishing. Um, I, I just don't know that there's ever been a guy filming on YouTube that uh, c- could consistently do well enough to make that. Um, and and maybe we finally got our guy here. And and I don't know. I think I think it's got to do something for for YouTubers as a whole. You know, whether it be Alex Perrick, whether it be, you know, Sobe, you know, right up in Minnesota, you know, Murray, whatever, all these guys, I think it's got to do a little bit of something for them that, uh, you know, they're not just video editors. They're not, you know, they, they can be good anglers, you know. Well, right. And, and a lot of them are very oh, good absolutely. anglers. Absolutely. They stuff spend like a that. lot of time out there. Right. He who what, fishes the most catches the most. And, right. But I think Milliken, it just seems like, like, he kind of has always done tournament fishing. Yeah. I mean, he's fished some tournaments up he, here at Okaboji and stuff yeah, like that. He's hopped in a couple so, of those Oxbow Bandit tournaments yep. down by Sioux City. Yep. Uh, um, so I think that he's always like, that's, it's just been kind of a motivating factor for him. I think you see some of these guys that do the videos of like, I'm going to jump into opens and stuff like that. And then they kind of realize in a hurry that it's just like, like, Am, do I need to concentrate more on the fishing or more on the videoing? Because it, it's tough to do both oh, at the absolutely. same time. And I think that he's found that balance. I really yep. do. I think he's found that, you know, you, you kind of know what I mean? Like that yep. tipping point of oh, like, yeah. okay, I can do this. My videos not, might not be as good as some of my other ones. I think that's what you but, have to be all right with. Right. I, I think right. you and have I think to be all right with throwing a chesty on and, and, you know, hey, guys, audio might not be great. You know, might not catch you know, everything in, in, uh, in the frame. Uh, and, and you have to be all right with that. But, I'm, I'm but, I take think, you but, but I people might appre- yeah, I they enjoy appreciate those it because videos. it's real. Yeah, yeah. The realness of it, yep. you know, and then he is trying to like, his main goal here is to win the tournament or yep. do well yep. in the tournament. Yep. I mean, second is producing a video and if a great and if an awesome video comes out of it, great. If he needs to go back there like the next day after the tournament and shoot a video out there fishing or something like that to make the entertaining thing, go right ahead and do yep. it. But I mean, I, I I really think that that he's been able to find that that balance and it's it's working for him because I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, he gets to go to the Classic next year. And, <laughs> I mean, it'll be ass. interesting to see how the rest of his year goes. No doubt about it. A um, couple other things that uh, we wanted to touch on. Um, obviously, uh, Eric Hadia started an absolute <laughs> shitstorm on Facebook. Uh, for those of you guys that didn't see it, um, pretty damning video. Uh, he was out on uh, what? Well, Fox River? Uh, Is that in Michigan? I believe it's Fox River in Michigan. Uh, First and foremost, I think somebody somebody saw... It might have been Wisconsin. Okay, but I think it was a Fox River. I don't know where the hell it is. But uh, um, either way, uh, he was posting on uh, social media on his stories that he's out casting for giant walleyes. And, and, uh, I mean, I'm going to quote it. out here casting for giant walleyes i'll hell i'll play the damn video for you um i think like yeah he, he claims to have been out there smallmouth fishing but walleye season is closed and this is what he put casting right now for giant walleyes <laughs> that's what he said then later on he said he was uh, out there casting for giant smallies and uh, just happened to be catching cookie cutter thirty inch walleye, multiple thirty inch walleyes, on a spoon that he designed for fishing for walleyes. Fact of the matter is, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> that we're just going to put it right out there. Uh, where where there's smoke, there's fire. There's enough people up there in the Milwaukee Harbor that uh, um, have been chased off by him. He cusses and swears at him. It doesn't matter if there's kids around. Um, he was out there fishing for walleyes. Be a fucking man and take it. That's what you were doing. You're going to sit there and say that you were casting for smallies. No, you weren't. You were casting for walleyes. Yeah, you knew that your chance for catching the trophy-sized walleye, and he even said it in the video, in a couple of those videos. Like he, I mean, if you're going to catch trophy walleyes up here, this is the time, time yep. to do it. And, I mean, he was just catching just he was bragging about catching these huge walleyes and putting yep. them on the bump showing them laying on the floor putting them on the bump board and stuff like that did he get a ticket yeah he got a ticket which is good i mean i'm glad he got a ticket out of the whole deal i mean i, I guess i i he he went on and and he made a video afterwards about how you know he was targeting smallmouth you know it just so happened that these walleyes kept on biting his jig you know whatever uh no no uh anyone who believes that uh i've i've got some uh i've got some property to sell you uh <laughs> the the fact of the matter is uh, he, he might he might have actually gone out there with the in, intent intention uh, intentionally yeah, yep and uh he caught the first walleye and he was like whoo that's badass and then he caught the second walleye and the third walleye and the fourth walleye and pretty soon you know he's taking videos and he's having fun and i mean this is badass and I think he probably just lost track of really what he was doing. Yep. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he did go out there intentionally to catch walleye. I don't know. I'm, I'll give him a little benefit of the doubt. Probably shouldn't, but uh, I will. Um, whatever. Uh, Do you think he's arrogant enough to like post it? Yeah, thinking he that is. People weren't going to call. Like oh, yeah, people weren't yeah. going to call him out on it, and like right away, people called him out on it. Yeah. No, he's and, he's that arrogant. And he tried to, you know, in that video that you're talking about of him, like talking about it. he still didn't like say like he was in the wrong or anything like that like yeah. like no like it was just a misunderstanding i'll take yeah. the ticket and stuff like that but i, I don't know it, then then that river should have been full of people out there bass fishing this week 
just so they could try to catch a PB walleye, you know, you know how that goes. I mean, there's a lot of that that's always gone on all over it, but, uh, this one was pretty blatant, and when you're sitting up there saying casting for trophy walleyes, that's I mean, that's that's it. Like, that's it. There's, like, there's no discussion after that. But then why do you even post it? It's just like, well, like I said, I, I think I think he was having fun. I think he's like, oh my god, you know, I caught one thirty incher, and then I caught another thirty incher, and then I got a twenty nine, and then I was another thirty incher, and I I mean I think it's like drugs, you know, like I mean it just like holy hell, you know, this is freaking fun. And I, I mean, I, th- I think you just kind of get into the zone and, and you forget really what the hell's going on. But then I, maybe, but, I don't know. I don't know. But then why don't you just like wait to take like, take some pictures of these fish and at the end of the day be like, oh yeah, out here fishing for, you know, we were out targeting smallmouth and, you know, it seemed just like we couldn't to get a, into 40 walleyes. Right. We couldn't get away from move. the walleyes. <laughs> didn't we move. <laughs> Whatever. You know, Whatever. So, nah, nah, I don't know. It's nah. been a hot topic. That's for sure. I mean, there's people... Yeah there's no gray i don't think in this there's people that are just like you and then there's people that are like trying to defend like his actions and it's just like yeah i'm not gonna ride his dick like that (laughs) (laughs) he was wrong plain and simple right he was glad he got a ticket yep he'll be out there next spring doing the same thing yep (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh whatever the case uh we mentioned earlier we got scott mockentoon on the show this week uh scott's gonna dive into uh um, some winter kill, uh, a lot of it being a lot of seeing it a lot down here in northeastern or in northwest Iowa, southwest Minnesota, southeastern South Dakota. There's a lot of those lakes over there that have had it too. Yep, and uh, obviously it's just a uh, it's a busy time of year uh, for for uh, fisheries biologists. Uh, you know, uh, the, even the part time sto- ones. <laughs> but uh uh you know obviously they're they're doing some walleye milking some musky milking uh, i don't know if they do that up in minnesota but uh they do that down here in iowa um you know busy busy time of year for fisheries biologists so uh we thank scott for uh taking the time out but uh yeah we'll uh we'll cut over to him and uh winter kill is uh definitely on everyone's mind uh, especially down here in southern minnesota uh we've got scott mockentoon on the show today uh uh no one uh, probably knows it uh, better than uh, fisheries biologist for the state of minnesota scott how are you i'm doing okay i mean you can be honest with everyone you called two other people they didn't call you back i have been referred to as the third best biologist on the show and i intend to keep it that way <laughs> that is very true you are exactly right uh, once again people are sick of listening to our expert advice so we just figured we'd kind of you know let you well, come we're in. right well we're right. right i mean stuff that's wrong is always more entertaining <laughs> that's why we got you on scott exactly and that's why we got you on <laughs> well uh uh you know like i mentioned uh um down here in southern minnesota especially you know obviously we're in iowa right across the border but uh uh this last weekend lake Shatek, um i heard that they took two or three side dump loads full of fish uh that had blown up uh, i believe probably on the south side of the lake and uh um, they were scooping them out, and, and videos surfaced around on Facebook. A lot of people were talking about it, even people today at work that uh, don't do anything uh, with fishing. Um, yeah, Scott, uh, you know, th- this winter kill, it's it's going to be a big thing this year. Uh, uh, how much are you seeing? It is. You know, um, when we turn off the lights – uh, and get the kind of snowfall that we had around the holiday season at the start of our winter and 
and our winter sort of drags along and extends into the spring and just refuses to die. It's just like, uh, like a vampire this year. Uh, you know, it, it, it does take an, it, it's toll and, uh, we're, we're definitely seeing it. Um, you know, lakes are starting to open up from South to North. The progression in the seven County area I have is my two southernmost lakes, uh, or two southernmost counties. Uh, the shallowest lakes are starting to open and it's slowly extending North and we are seeing, uh, you know, dead fish here and there. There's places that uh, we had some expectation there may be some kill. I can just quickly say I don't know if this is going to be indicative for how it goes for the rest of the lakes, but we did uh, set some nets uh, last week to fish over the weekend and then pick those up uh, on, on Monday. And, uh, you know, there was an um, um, quite a, a kill on common carp, but we actually had really good representation from my other fish species. So it looks like really minimal stocking that we're going to have to do and potentially a blessing in disguise to really knock back uh, the carp biomass. Now, is every lake going to be like that? I, I, I'm not certain, but, you know, I have seen photos of, you know, Lake Chatech, uh where you see windrows, you know, Scott, you talked about a couple dumped loads full of, of fish being taken out of there. Uh, you know, I would say this for all the natural resource management agencies, the fisheries agencies, you know, they will take the time to assess the extent of the winter kill. It's definitely on a spectrum from a light partial winter kill to a full blown, you know, extreme winter kill. And, you know, you can sit there, especially in Nebraska, South Dakota, Minnesota, where these shallow lakes are that tend to be in the productive egg rich region parts of the state. And it can just look horrible right like lots and lots of dead fish dump truck loads like you were talking about but it's important to remember that in those shallow really productive lakes there is a ton of productivity period i mean you could be talking about a thousand pounds of fish standing crop per acre so you go out and you see windrows of dead fish you know carp and bullheads and walleyes or whatever you see that could represent one-tenth of what's in the lake. I mean, it could be a small amount of really what's out there. So it could look catastrophic and not have as much of an impact. That's why it's so important to kind of do the follow-up analysis and see, okay, how significant is this kill, what species, size ranges of species, etc., and now what needs to be done to repopulate these lakes. So it may not be as bad as it appears, and there's uh, usually a, a nice silver uh, lining for, for some of these winter kill situations. Now, now, you know, I want to talk about, uh, why it affects some species a little bit more than other species, but, but before that, let, let's just dive in. How exactly does this happen? Uh, you know, obviously you talked about, you know, these long winters and whatever, is it, is it the extreme cold? Is it the snowfall? What, what exactly is it that, that makes this happen? Well, it's definitely a combination of the two. You hit on temperature and you hit on snowfall. Uh, we get really strong winters like 2014 that they're unrelenting. They're consistently cold. There's no thaw cycles or minimal thaw cycles throughout the entirety of the winter. Uh, not only do they not give the, you know, you don't have the thaw days that give you a little bit of a break and might introduce some meltwater and soften things up. But you have that cold that's building the ice. And the ice can do the same thing as massive amounts of snowfall, which is to, to block out the light. And to try to just be as brief as possible, 
you're looking at this at, at, at these lakes as sort of a, a, a banking uh, a bank or a checking account right there's debits and there's credits you have photosynthesis occurring you may have some meltwater or maybe there's a river connection or tile lines running um, minimal you know a little bit of photosynthesis from phytoplankton or curly leaf pond weed or what have you all of that provides a little uh, additional value but overall you're just using up oxygen as the winter goes on you've got biological oxygen demand respiration of aquatic organisms and decomposition down you know in the detritus in the bottom of the lake uh, in the in the in the in the substrates and as all that is happening it's slowly eating up that oxygen and you're just hoping that you have enough of a balance to last through the entire winter uh, but in some of these shallow lakes eventually you run out some of those are aerated so you create a small refuge or pocket that can get you through uh, but when you get these really cold and or snowy and especially both types of winter systems uh, it can be very uh, hard on fish now now if somebody would go out there with say a snow plow uh, on the front of a pickup and they would you know knock all the snow around and, and have have just a big open area to let some light in uh you know would, would that act similar to an aerator uh you know and you, you mentioned an aerator there uh i guess in my mind i was thinking that if you had an aerator in a lake that it worked you know that that sent oxygen around in the whole entire lake but but uh, you kind of made it sound like it was just a pocket that's right it's just a small refuge area where the air exchange is actually happening is that air and water interface right it's gaseous exchange at the interface at that surface it's you know it's not just driving bubbles down uh, although there's some surface area to the bubbles it's it's having an open area so we always tell folks that are aerating the larger an area you can make the better off you are but that's a double-edged sword for the operators because it becomes a safety hazard and if the wind catches it on a windy winter day or warm thaw day with wind it can rip it right open so there's liability concerns there so a lot of times those groups don't want to open too large of a hole they try to do their best to calculate what the size is going to be and maintain it um, they may even put timers on their aerators or um, a temperature shut off but yeah it's creating a small pocket you know there are uh, there's studies been done and just recently where you know, put down a uh, an oxygen probe and start to make an array of those probes or start moving off the aerated area and the further that you travel away from the hole typically uh, oxygen drops down or that you don't have to go very far to be outside of that refuge area and you're back into low oxygen or hypoxic waters you know to your to your comment about the the snow plowing um that does occasionally happen on smaller lakes or private ponds where where folks will go out and do that it does help a little bit with light transfer but uh that's definitely not a a, a fail safe thing like oh we got to just get out and plow the snow because like i said you know ice ice can be as much of a of a light blocker and if you're pulling all the snow off your ice uh, you're taking away that insulating layer your 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 ice is going to get thicker and and then by default do the same thing as the snow and block out the light but yeah, that's, yeah, true. Yeah, that's true yeah yep. yeah that makes sense um now obviously the deeper the lake the less chance it has of like freezing out slash winter killing correct yeah it's just a simple volume proposition right the bigger the lake is the more total water that it holds especially in those deep areas uh 
you're just going to have at a basic level you're just going to have more water there to to store and carry oxygen right yeah um so so why does this happen to you know it, it seems like a lot of the pictures that we're seeing it's carp you mentioned carp uh you know you, you also mentioned maybe uh bullheads uh it, it kind of seems like uh some of the uh quote unquote uh rough fish uh what why is that well um i think a lot of folks are seeing that in lakes that already have a certain level of impairment southwestern minnesota northwest iowa very turbid or green lakes that are already dominated in biomass by benthivorous fish like common carp maybe it's uh, big mouth buffalo um, big mouth buffalo aren't benthivorous they're they're planktivores but you know they can do well in turbid waters that uh, are very green they can they can feed on on plankton um, but you know if there's something that's a, by by biomass by weight um, just is taking up most of that space that's what's most likely going to show up when when it's dead so that might be why you're seeing a lot of certain fish species but at the root of all of this is what species are most tolerant or intolerant of low dissolved oxygen? Um, you know, trout for sure are the most intolerant. Um, you know, if you've got a, a trout lake and there's very few places that are shallow um, that also have trout in them, so it's kind of a rarity. Uh, but if you have waters that uh, have trout in them, they'll be some of the first to go. Um, not too far after that, you're probably in your walleyes or bass. Um, carpy a carp or even up there a little bit if you believe it or not and then you get down to your more tolerant species like northern pike and yellow perch as native fish species in this part of the midwest they're they're actually pretty tolerant of low dissolved oxygen and then the toughest <laughs> the toughest of the tough uh bullheads in particular black bullheads they're really really difficult to uh to kill they can survive very low dissolved oxygen so there is a tolerance range for uh, fish species and um that sort of explains which ones go first. And you have to imagine if a, if a winter kill is taking place, you have low dissolved oxygen. Some of those fish that succumb first, they can be locked underneath ice and snow for a couple of months. And while the metabolic rate is pretty minimal when it's as cold as it is, they will they will start to break down. So some of those fish can be breaking down under the ice early in the season. So you may never ever see those, particularly if they're uh, swim bladder or air bladder uh, pops and they sink to the bottom. Huh. So, so on a lot of these videos, you, you see a lot of people talking and they're like, Oh, you know, no big deal. You know, I think it's mostly carp. Uh, that's, that doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, the walleyes might, uh, be dead down in there or, or, you know, just, just not seeing them, I guess. Yeah. And that's, and that's why it's so important. I mean, it, it takes a lot of time and effort. Don't get me wrong, but to go out and try to do a quick and dirty assessment, right? Just go get some nets out there. Um, you know, and there's fisheries professionals that tell you there's gear selectivity and, and season, you know, sampling biases and, you know, that, that you kind of have to set all that aside, you know, and say, well, we're really not looking at how abundant these fish are. We just, you know, we know there's limitations to this, but we want to know, you know, are there some fish species that survive? What are some approximate size ranges? Get in, get out, especially this, a year like this where, it appears you're going to have at least a bunch of partial kills and you need to stop in a bunch at a bunch of different resources and check into it. So 
it's hard to say the situation that you put up where you see a whole bunch of dead carp it, it could be what i described earlier where carp were just the biggest representation of the fish community and uh, were the most biomass in that lake or it could be a situation where yeah your other fish species uh succumbed earlier now how long does it you know on average take a lake to kind of bounce back from a like a harsh winter kill well you can stick fish back into the system and that's where they just grow bananas in the situation you described matt where it's an, a true vacant system with a really strong winter kill uh you're resetting the whole system and you're going to have uh, you know, just this productive system ready to go for whatever inhabitants you put in there. And so we like to utilize those situations uh, for walleye fry, for example, in walleye rearing ponds where there's little competition. The walleye survivorship is very high and they grow like gangbusters. Or we've got cooperative shallow lakes that we manage with wildlife where we might put northern pike and yellow perchin and they grow like crazy because there's no competition zooplankton takes off um, macro invertebrates do exceedingly well vegetation community responds um, everything just comes back to life and you just have the food chain and you have the food chain reaction and everything's growing like gangbusters so to get all the way around to answering your question we stock those systems we put brooder adults in there that we're counting on to spawn like maybe bluegills uh, crappies or bass where we think they're going to you know create a nest and spawn and then the offspring are going to repopulate the lake or we may put in walleye fry in big gobs and expect that your class to take off in which uh, in which case in all these systems typically you give them a couple years these fish are growing that fast that uh, it can be very good and you know again in, in, in this situation, we're talking about a complete kill. Many of these systems, it's partial kills. And we've got a lot of lakes that they benefit from these partial kills because it thins out the competition, the growth jumps up, and you have great fishing. There's a lot of, a lot of fisheries that I can point to that, you know, winter kill is a component of why they are so successful. And I suppose sometimes it takes the pressure off of a lake too. Like if it's been really good fishing, right. you know, people see a winter killing, you know how that goes. Oh, that thing, oh, it's dead. There's no fish in there. And it's like, yeah, there, no, there's no fish in here. Yeah. You know, go, go away. Total kill. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's something to be said about that. I, I tell folks to take notes, you know, pay attention, come back in a couple of years, keep right. it in the back of your mind of go back and visit that lake. Cause it's going to have excellent growth and should do very well. And, the flip side is, you know, we have these extreme winters. They tend to be a result of, you know, heavy snows, and that has a huge impact on access. I was actually just talking with the Lake Association about this, where they thought they saw one-tenth uh, as many visitors as in typical years because access to the lake was so challenging. It was three right. foot of snow, and no one was plowing a road out there. Well, guess what? If there isn't fishing pressure, then that means there won't be fishing harvest, and if there isn't fishing harvest... Lots of those fish are uh, still going to be around. So um, giving those lakes a little bit of a break isn't necessarily a bad thing, as you guys described. Move the pressure around, uh, just kind of keep people on the move, rotate things in and out, and in and out, and, and it can be beneficial to some of these resources. Yeah. Now, Scott, uh, um, the video that I saw, like I mentioned earlier, uh, a couple side dump loads. Uh, I was down at the Ace Hardware this afternoon here in Rock Rapids, uh, uh, guy from Matt's hometown, uh, Bill Teasler, uh, does a lot of fishing up there. Uh, Sarah, um, 
Shatak, whatever. Uh, he was saying that uh, they took the uh, took a lot of these fish. Uh, I don't know, donated them, gave them to a farmer. Maybe the farmer paid for it. Hell, I don't know. But uh, he was going to mix it up and, and use fer- use it for fertilizer on his field. Um, is is that uh, normally what happens, or is it good to leave some of that stuff uh, in the lake uh, for, for fish that are still there, you know, to munch on? Uh, um, I don't know. Do you leave it around for, for birds? Uh, what, what, what is the plan normally? That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> The position of the agency, we get asked about this all the time, at least responsibility for cleanup, a different way to phrase it, is that, you know, this is a natural phenomenon. So it, it sort of takes care of itself. You know, I know we're dealing with high water uh, in, in the Hutchinson area where I work. Uh, we know there's a partial winter kill on Otter and Campbell Reservoir that are hooked into the South Fork of the Crow River, but the water's so high that anything that died is probably being pushed downstream and breaking apart in the process. Um, there's absolutely value in, in nutrient return and recycling. I mean, you see it with Pacific salmon. Part of their life history is they die after they spawn, and those nutrients are returned to those streams that desperately need them. We certainly have plenty of, of nutrients. We're not nutrient limited in this part of the world, but nevertheless, those do get recycled. Um, you do see reptiles, birds use it, uh, fish. You know, it can it, nutrients can be recycled and put back into primary production, and you know they do serve that purpose. Now, I understand. You know, you use a couple examples there of fish being removed where they're in an urban situation. Um, that. You know, sometimes the city or lake associations want to have uh, that sort of removal done. And I've heard of city crews doing it or sentenced to serve or or others. Um, that is an option for, for people that have the means or want to do it. And like you say, if, if someone wants to put it on a field and use it as fertilizer, that, that certainly works too. So there is a lot of different options. Right on. Yeah. Now, uh, Scott, you b- before we started uh, recording, uh, you mentioned that uh, tomorrow you're going to be heading out and uh, doing a walleye tagging project. Uh, uh, what exactly does that entail? Yeah, Hard Lakes are, as I was saying earlier, opening south to north, and we're going to continue to do winter kill assessments. Um, you know, they'll we'll have a bigger window to do that. We just want to try to make sure we have those completed in enough time to have a have a firm answer on what are our fish needs for any potential restocking. But in the meantime, uh, we have been doling out to uh, get or getting out to some of our uh, walleye waters in the Hutchinson area that have natural reproduction. And we want to learn a little bit more about these walleye fisheries. In this case, we're going to Lake Marion in McLeod County, north of Broughton, south of Hutchinson on Highway 15. Uh, it's had a pretty solid walleye population in recent times and even historically back to when it was uh, post-reclamation in 1978. It's, it's, it's fared well as a walleye fishery. We see a lot of natural reproduction. Uh, we would like to go in. We're going to tag walleyes. We're, we're, we're able to go in shortly after ice out uh, just because we're not spawning these walleyes. If we were spawning the walleyes, we'd have to wait, give them more time. Um, Certainly, it's going to overlap with when their spawn uh, starts up. I would expect that next week, when our forecasts are to get into the 50s, even almost to 60, our water temperatures will come up, and you'll have that right combination of water temperature, photo period, and and uh, everything just working out to really trigger 
final egg, egg maturity and milt maturity and, and, and trigger the spawn. So that'll come next week, but we're still going to kind of cut our teeth on it, get out, tag these fish, metal jaw tags. We're able to get a population estimate using a mark recapture method. We're also able to get anglers returning those tags to us to derive an estimate of exploitation or angler harvest. And we take fin clips on, on all of our fish so that we get an idea. These are sexually mature adults that are coming uh, coming around pre-spawn and during the spawn. And we get an idea of uh, genetic strain assignment. And that's uh, useful. You know, At some point in the future, we will look to places that have high enough uh, percentage strain assignment to certain strains that uh, we would be able to augment our egg take. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen at Marion because it's about a 600-acre lake and you know the total amount of spawning females is probably not a lot to put a huge dent in our statewide egg quota, but every little bit could potentially help, particularly with some of these southern strains that we know presently we are egg limited on. Now, now you uh, said that uh, uh, the, these uh, tags that you're putting, uh, metal tags in the mouth, and uh, you talked about the anglers returning them to you. Is that like actually giving the physical metal tag back to you, or are you talking that uh, there would be a phone number on there potentially that they would call back in and let you know the information about that fish? Yeah, good clarifying question. Um, yeah, we don't need the tags back. We just need the tag number. So the folks get to keep the tag. I know, um, you know, some folks treat them kind of like a waterfall band, and you know, maybe that's what you got to do. You got your lanyard around your neck for your Minn Kota. You you start attaching tags on there. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just throw all mine in the trash if it comes on a walleye. I mean, yeah. <laughs> with, yeah, with all those bass that you guys have been harvesting, I'm sure you got a lot of a lot of bass tags around there, right? Oh, absolutely, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Lanyards full, all of them. So no. yeah, if they if if they if they uh, if they call them in, that's all we need, and we do have signs up at the access. Uh, we used to put the telephone number right on the tag, but uh, we kind of got ourselves into trouble with that only because we we switched telephone n- numbers a few years back to voice over IP and didn't use our old landline numbers, and all of a sudden uh, people were trying to reach us and they couldn't, so we uh, ordered yeah. new, new tags. So, so then you're not looking for the size of that fish or anything. You're just wanting to know uh, if, if somebody catches that particular fish. Yep. They, you know, we don't ask for a lot of information. You know, we don't need to know the specifics on your secret spot. We just need to know. Sure. Date, <laughs> date of capture. Um, did you harvest the fish or not? And then if you did release the fish, um, we do encourage folks if they're releasing the fish to keep the band on, but I know sometimes they take it off. So we are actually always doing uh as part of this we're trying to do uh an estimate on tag loss you know it it goes into your population modeling you can't have too high a tag loss we're in literature values but we try to be pretty solid with that one of the things we'll do is actually do a spine uh removal so we'll know a second form of marking the fish to know that hey if we recapture it and that particular spine for that particular year is removed like a dorsal spine like say second in or third in or whatever um, it'll correspond to a year, and if there's not a tag on that fish, we knew that it shed the tag, and then we've got some tag loss. Yep. Yeah, that makes cool. sense. Now, do you do you look forward to this time of year, Scott, or is it is, is this the time of year that uh, uh, you kind of dread all year long, and it's like, oh man, and and you know, then by the time you're by the time, you know, I mean, obviously your next couple of weeks have got to be pretty busy, right? 
So I mean, I as busy like, as you can get for a public employee. <laughs> <laughs> good shot. Good yeah, shot across yeah. the bow. No, yeah. the, uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword. If you, I'm sure the listeners have seen the Matthew McConaughey meme where he's driving out and he's happy and he's all right, all right, all right. <laughs> yep, and then he's yep. coming back and he's a Dallas Buyers Club and he's broke down crying. That's kind of how the season starts off. You're anticipating getting out there. You you know, everybody wants to get out and handle fish, and it, it admittedly is very cool. Um, we're, we're using very large sampling gear that tends to sample the largest size fish in the lake. So when we pick these things up, we will see the memorable and trophy size northern pike, comic carp, channel catfish, walleye, largemouth bass, um, bluegills and crappies, you name it. We're going to see all the biggest fish that the lake has to offer for the most part in these big large frame musky sized trap nets we're going to do some night electrofishing that you know we expect to get saturated this lake has some of the highest gill net catch for walleyes that we've seen in the last couple of assessments there are over 40 walleyes in that so we are expecting to handle a lot of fish and you have that anticipation it's fun you see those those chunky trophy sized fish but yeah by the end of it um, i'm always grateful that there's about a two-week break uh, from when we do this field work to when our walleye season opens because I don't want to see a walleye for two weeks afterwards. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> Just two weeks now. Yeah. <laughs> no. So what's what? What is like one of the more memorable fish that you've got to handle? Is there one that it's just like you will always remember, and it can't be electrofishing the beaver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, doing this spring assessment. I mean, I'm trying to think. We did a couple of lakes, you know, dating back the last three, four years. Obviously, we had COVID interruptions that stopped us a couple of springs, but, you know, probably some of those larger 27, 28-inch walleyes. We still, in, you know, in our part of the world, we don't have a lot of spineless forage. We don't have tulipy. Um, you know, it's, it's harder to get one of those 30-inchers, so we haven't seen those yet. Um, probably... Oh gosh, 15 to 16 inch crappies. I know they get a little bigger, but you know, those are some outlying large fish. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there are any other real cool ones. I mean, outside of this, you know, spring sampling, there's, there's other times of the year that you do see some unique fish like, you know, Minnesota river electrofishing where you'd see a 55 pound flathead catfish or something like that. Those, those right. fish stick out to you. Oh yeah. yeah. How about like, have you got to sample like one of your like lakes you grew up on and it's like you're able to see like what's actually in there and you're just like wow you know i've been fishing here for all these years and i just be, love to catch like a big like 28 29 inch walleye now lake marion had to be right in your neck of the woods where you grew up right scott it is this is you know it's just gonna say the same thing um i've told a few folks this that yeah this is the home waters when i was a kid it was get on the bike and pedal two and a half miles right across your handlebars. So this is Marion. I'm, I'm familiar with Marion. I've caught a lot of fish out there, spent a lot of time out there, but I've also, you know, now that I've been working out of that station for seven years, I've been out on her a few times and, you know, know what she holds and know the, know the capacity and what, what's available out there. So I feel like I have a pretty good idea. There won't be anything that'll surprise me too much, except, you know, I'm certain we'll see some of those, larger size fish that again those are those are those are the statistical outliers those are the ones we don't sample a lot of because there's not a lot of them out there period but if we're going to sample them it's going to be now when they're in shallow in the spring post ice out you know thinking about spawning moving up shallow and using large gear right on 
Well, Scott, uh, you know, like we've uh, like we've talked about, I know this is a crazy busy time for you. Uh, I know you uh, got to spend as much time with the family uh, while you can, uh, so we won't uh, um, we won't keep you any longer than uh, than this. Uh, um, but before we let you go, though, uh, your daughter uh, um, more successful than what you've ever been in your whole entire life. Uh, what what was that? Uh, she 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 placed in the state archery competition. Yeah, she uh, she ended up shooting her season average, which I'd like to seen her. You know, well, she would have liked to seen her more so than me. Uh, you know, score a few more points just to be a medalist. But a top ten finish uh, ensures she'll head off to the national um, national archery in the schools national tournament uh, in Utah here at the end of April. So she'll be doing that. And are you gonna go? She, my wife is gonna take her out there. Okay. Well, um, she obviously I'm, takes after Jackie if she's doing that good. Right. Well, that's where all the talent and good looks come yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, and she'll do really good out there because she won't listen to your bad advice. So. Exactly. <laughs> your bad coaching. I, I know how your bad coaching goes. So, just It's like George Costanza, just do the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You know, you were, quickly I'll say, you know, you are talking about the pluses and minuses, and that, that sort of is the minus. You know, we are embarking on what will be 10 to 14 days straight of work through weekends. Hey, and nobody has to feel sorry for me squeezing fish. Uh, but you know, it's like you know, tomorrow I was really hoping to get out and enjoy what looks to be the nice, the nicest stretch of weather before we're going to get rained on for four straight days. And right. it's like I really wanted to get out my youngest to do some turkey hunting, but there just isn't going to be enough time. So, such is life. Yep. Yeah, I suppose uh, getting into that profession, you kind of know this is going to be the busy time, and uh, yeah, it is what it is. So. All yes, right, sir. all right, Scott. Uh, we appreciate it as always. Um, it's good to have a uh, uh, fisheries biologist on staff here at the Midwest Angler Podcast. We Three just, of them. Yeah, yeah. Third best. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, all right, man. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. You bet. Thanks. That was Scott Mockentoon uh, from up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, right outside area. Target Field, I believe. Right. And that's where Scott's from. Uh, Could milk uh, a walleye on second base. <laughs> <laughs> i heard they're gonna do some guild heading out there yep, so yep. no uh uh thanks scott for uh joining the show uh, it was very uh, being uh, a good know, sport as always yep very very informative like yep. always always using big words to try to confuse us and there's a few times you and i were looking at each other like all right <laughs> Sounds i don't good. know what he just said <laughs> oh geez i uh, got freaking i got my cell phone going off right in the middle of freaking Right in the middle of interviews. Well, at least it's not Sorry, guys, it's my first damn time. Yep. But, uh, you, you know, that, 216. Isn't that absolutely crazy? Like, when we first started doing this, like, if, if my we phone would have gone off in the middle of an interview, I, I would have lost my yeah. absolute mind. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, everyone's going to know we're actually shitty podcasters. No, <laughs> no, they know. Uh, but, uh, actually, it's, it's, uh, it's Aaron Cox, oh. Zach's wife. She texts me and says, "What is Eric and your? Oh, no. <laughs> what is what is Eric and your cowboy names? <laughs> I don't know. Oh I man, I gotta think about this. Oh man, oh, I don't know. What is my cowboy name? Hmm. Let That's me a good think one. about this. 
how do you like is there like a formula for coming up with a cowboy name like do you take like the street you grew up on and like i think this area right up here they call they call it like south ridge so i don't know if i'm south ridge scott sturman (laughs) you know like turkey creek jack johnson and and uh (laughs) like all those badass names but i i got a uh I don't know. I got. I got to come up with a real cowboy name. I yeah, mean, you really if do. I'm going to be the top hand yep. on the Cox Ranch, I've I've got to have a real name. And uh, um, tell me, you you got a six shooter, don't you? That you can put on your. Oh, head? absolutely, I do. All right, good. Riding out there. Yep. I'm telling Aaron that uh, I'm actually reading this and <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> On the next podcast, you can maybe that comp. There, there's a contest for us. Yep. All the dirt bags can come up with your you and Eric's yep. cowboy name. What our real cowboy <laughs> names are. So uh, whatever the case. Uh, speaking of of Aaron Cox, Zach Cox, uh, Don Cox, our dog up in Alaska right now. Up there, uh, I believe that makes 24 or 25 states for him that he has ice fished this year. This uh, year, that's crazy. Yep. Well, I, I should say this ice season. This ice season. This right. ice season. This ice season. But uh, it might actually be this year, too, because uh, when he came out and fished with us was uh, the beginning part of January. Um, maybe he had gone out and hit, like, Wyoming, uh, Montana, yeah, whatnot that before that. But honestly, I mean, he's got to be up over 20 in just 2023 right? Uh, for, for, for um, states that he's fished. Um, because he came and fished with us, I think you. I think he fished South Dakota afterwards. I think he obviously he fished Nebraska afterwards. So pretty freaking incredible. Uh, we've talked to Don. Yeah. Uh, when when he's all said and done here in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have him on the show, do yep. a recap deal because uh, that's absolutely incredible. And uh, it is. Um, you know, if you remember Don's first episode that he did with us, uh, spectacular tor- storyteller. Um, you know, maybe. Maybe not gonna to, be a dull I, moment i mean i gotta think with uh how many miles he put on you know covering all of the east coast and down yep. in arizona and everything else you know damn well he dispatched another deer with a pocket <laughs> knife i mean you got to you got yeah. to cause, just do it for fun after a while yeah, you just do it for the story after a while because he's a cowboy yep because <laughs> he's a cowboy it's just what you're doing yep. cowboy stuff so yep um other stuff uh spring cleanup uh, i saw on my facebook memories it was last year um this last week that uh, matt and i went and did the spring cleanup uh probably gonna start thinking about that now uh you know with the weather uh getting a little bit nicer again here um you know maybe here maybe some evening this week maybe some evening next week after work uh yeah We'll have to get together, maybe uh, make a sweep through Island Park, whatever. Um, if you remember it last year, we did the Midwest Angler Podcast Spring Cleanup. Uh, what we did was uh, just anyone who went out and got a bag of trash, it could be a grocery bag, could be a full-on garbage bag, a uh, bag of trash, send us in a picture, and uh, we got you in. Um, uh, we gave away... Uh, Gave away a bunch of stuff last year. Gave yeah, away uh, um, some Dakota Angler gift cards. Gave away some cold snap prize packs. Uh, did a little bit of that. Uh, uh, I don't know what we're going to give away this year, but uh, I think we'll do this again. Um, so if you uh, see the opportunity, go out, get a picture of it, and uh, we'll put a Facebook post here on in the in the next couple weeks. And at that point in time, you know, if you want to pick it up tomorrow, go ahead. 
uh, post the picture in a couple weeks when uh, after Matt and I do it, and uh, you'll still be entered. But uh, we're going to do that again. Uh, the Midwest Angler Podcast Spring Cleanup. Uh, it's a, it's just plain out a good thing. Yeah, dang right it is. So uh, 28 inches of ice out on Deerfield yet. That's crazy. Uh, Aaron Koski, I believe that's how you spell or pronounce his last name. Koski or Koski? What do you? I'm what's not your sure guess? Kosky. I'm going to call it Koski. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, correct us if we're wrong. But uh, he took a picture today up on Deerfield, out in the Black Hills. People still, still driving. driving. Still <laughs> 28 driving inches out there. of ice. Uh, he said the shorelines are solid and yep. everything obviously is solid out there going there. So Yep, and you talked to Chris Rothmeyer, uh, last yeah. week's guest, uh, up uh, on Lake Mary by Alexandria. I think he said there was over 20 inches of ice on there yet. Uh, so actually, he sent me a picture the other day of some guy out there uh, fishing shirtless, ice fishing no shirtless. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was him, but he just didn't want to admit nah, it. So yeah. getting a tan. Can't blame him there. But, <laughs> uh, and there's a Bassmaster Elite yep. Series uh, tournament this weekend. Get your lineup set. Uh, we will post a deal on Facebook uh, to make sure and remind everybody. But uh, get the lineup set. Uh, Lake Murray, South, South Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. Lake Murray, South Carolina. Um, should be a good one. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, seems like a long time since classic, but uh, it really hasn't been that long. It really hasn't. All right. Um, I believe uh, pizza review. Pizza what you review. Got this pizza week? review. I saw you sent pizza us review. a picture yesterday. So yep. Um. Looking forward to it. It is. Uh, this week was a home run in. Home run in. Home run in. I don't know if you've ever heard You're of it, in but spring uh, fever, spring training fever. <clears throat> Chicago's home run in premium pizzeria established 1947. Ooh. I uh, did the meat lovers sausage, uncured pepperoni, and uncured bacon. Classic pizza, 32 ounces. Available at your local Walmart, uh, 7.99. So, uh, um, not 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 crazy expensive, no. but it's definitely not a value pizza neither. Um, first and foremost, uh, took it out of the package and I'm thinking, holy moly, we got a winner here. This thing's looking good. I, I mean, looked like I was really going to like it. I'm thinking, golly, dang it. Uh, we've got, we've got a seven, we've got an eight, we've got something great, uh, established in 1947 for Pete right. frickin sakes. Yeah. I mean, you're you, getting you yourself excited. You're like, you don't, you don't go. You you don't make pizzas ever since 1947 by by serving Not by crappy accident. pizzas. Exactly right. Or maybe you do. Yeah. But uh, apparently <laughs> apparently maybe you're they've a good salesman. Uh, they've got uh, they've got some actual brick and mortar pizzerias uh, there in Chicago. Uh, then they must have turned around and got into uh, uh, the frozen pizza later on. Uh, I'm hoping like hell their brick and mortars are better than their frozen pizzas because <laughs> they freaking sucked. Plain and simple. Uh, it had bacon on it, and that was really about the only good thing about it. Really, crust sucked. Pepperoni, like, what I mean, was, what was I, it about the wa- crust that you didn't like? So, I, I don't even know exactly how to explain this, but like, it had a little bit of crunch. I'm a crunch dude. Like, right. I wanted that crunch, but uh, it it was it, it, it was. It like had a weird doughiness to it, like and just a little tiny thin layer of crunch. It was freaking weird. It was a cook at four hundred and fifty degrees. I've oh, never wow. had a pizza that, yeah, that's, that, that's... that did that. And they still wanted it in there for fifteen to twenty minutes. I don't know if that's what did it, if if I you know, realistically that's what it said on the box. So I don't know. A lot of them are normally four hundred. I was gonna say right around that four hundred. Four hundreds. Yeah. 
I don't know if I would have knocked it down to 400 if that would have given me a little bit different, but it was like the outside, it, it was like it seared it. You know, like when you sear yep. a steak, the outside yep. is just like, and, and the inside like almost doesn't get done, which is spectacular on a steak. I don't know if that's what happened on this pizza, but I mean, the, the crust was not good. Didn't have any taste. Uh, you know, it wasn't even buttery. The, the pepperoni, like I'm not a guy that wants spicy pepperoni, but like this pepperoni just flat out didn't have any taste. No taste. It, it seemed like you would have damn near thought that they forgot sauce. Like not uh, much of it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there seemed to be a little bit of sauce on it, but it didn't really have a taste. I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was kind of hard for me to wrap my brain around exactly what had happened. And even a couple times I'm like, you know, this is better than what I think it is. Isn't you're it? Trying Scott? to like, convince yourself. Like, I was, this isn't that like, it's so bad. You're trying to like, you feel bad for it. It's like, it's kind of like the ugly girl at the dance. I was so, <laughs> it's, I, I, it's like, yeah, it's like, I mean, it's like, you know what? Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe you saw her from the back. You saw her from the back at first. So I'm going to go in the back at first. Well, and it was like, Ooh, this could be okay. And then she turned around and it was like, Ooh, but then you're like, you know what? I'm still going to give her the benefit of the doubt. And you start dancing with her and you want to talk to her. Then all of a sudden she starts talking and you're just like, uh, no, no, I, <laughs> no. I don't know. I don't know. I, and finally, I just, I had to tell myself, Scott, if you've got to try not, to tell yourself, like I was trying to talk myself into just giving it a five and a half. Yeah. You can't just talk yourself into a five and a half. No. Cause it's a 2.9. Right. Yeah, 2.9 might be I mean, the worst pizza I've had. I, I don't know if you brought a girl home on the first date and, and sh you give her this pizza, that's your first date. That's right. your only date. Yeah. Cause she ain't coming back. Well, she's, she's getting up to go to the bathroom and she's never, she's walking yeah. out the front yeah. door and yeah. not she's, coming back after yeah, she, she has a couple bites of that. So yeah. this, this is what this guy is treating me yeah. to. No. Yeah. yeah. That's, it's bad. Yeah. I don't know. Better it was get weird. the Avino out and <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> Enjoy like, your I, night. I don't know. It was like, I just, I couldn't wrap my brain around what the hell was going on. I, I wanted it to be that good. Bad. I thought it was going to be good. And it what just was the highlight good. of, what was the like bacon, the bacon that was, that was that's about what it. gives it the 2.9. Yeah. That was about it. If Otherwise, it, if it didn't nine. have bacon point on nine. there, it, it would be, it probably would be 0.9. Yeah. I don't know. So 2.9. I don't know. Sucked. Just sucked bad. Just, don't do it. Yep. Just one more thing not to go to Chicago for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't need much of an arm twisting. I really, I really uh, I did it. But, uh, okay, um, good news stories of the day brought to you by our good friends over at Freedom Brew, 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 Larchwood, Iowa. I forgot. Uh, Matt and I actually drew for the Freedom Brew. I've got it written right here, and I about fucking forgot again. <laughs> like, like, this has been weeks, but uh, Freedom Brew gift card. We talked about it here probably. I, I, would I would love to tell you that it was two weeks ago. I think it was probably seven weeks ago. It was a while ago. But uh, uh, we got a Freedom Brew gift card here. Uh, we were going to give it away for the people that uh, sent pictures in to us, uh, whether it be text message, Facebook, whatever, of them swinging into uh, to Freedom Brew. Uh, we got a bunch of people that did send them in, uh, Sean Bosler, Dan Gay, uh, Biggie, a uh, bunch of other guys, um, and we put them into a random name generator wheel deal uh, before we uh, before we were on. 
And Biggie went ahead and won that uh, as well he should have. Uh, not too many yep. people uh, spend more time at Freedom Brew than nope. Biggie. And uh, he'd, he'd love to post it on Glad Facebook with a wide mouth and, yep. <laughs> and, uh, and tell <laughs> you about it. In this Freedom Brew Cup. Yep. So uh, um, we will, Biggie, will, I'm sure we'll meet up with you here in the next little bit. We'll get it over to you. We'll figure it out. But uh, thank you guys uh, for supporting Freedom Brew. Thank you guys for sending us some pictures. And, uh, yeah, whatever. Freedom Brew, Larchwood, Iowa. area, you need to stop. The absolute best damn coffee shop, period. Uh, my son actually lives in the same town as the Freedom Brew uh, deal. He's got a birthday party on Friday night. This is my weekend with him. He said, come pick me up on Saturday morning, Dad. I said, no problem. I'll be there. I will be there. So uh, I'm pretty jacked up about that. Uh, have to be a family deal. I'm sure everyone in my family, even Slate, can't get enough of the Freedom Brew. Uh, best damn coffee shop, period. Larchwood, Iowa. Stop in there. Tell them we sent you. That's right. Uh, the good news story, Matt, I, I, I've got a couple good news stories here. I think I might kind of close in on your good news story. So I don't want to say, uh, I'll, I'll let you run first. No, you go ahead first. You go right ahead first. We'll, we'll <clears> see. <throat> okay. Well, I was just going to say, we've got a couple of local anglers here doing some pretty big things. Uh, right. Harold Daniels, uh, uh, Shawbacher, they are out, uh, in Michigan, Ohio area, uh, gonna fish Lake Erie for the Masters Walleye Circuit. Uh, good luck to them. I know both of them listen to the show. Uh, both of them go to Freedom Brew. They just stopped uh, there, there the other day. Austin was telling me that they uh, swung in right as they were taking off to go to uh, uh, to Michigan. There. Uh, good luck to them, guys. Um, be pretty badass to uh, to see them get away with a with a good finish. I'm assuming Shawbacher's on the. Uh, uh, the co-angler side and uh, Harold's on the on the boater side. So good luck to them. Uh, I'd also like to give a shout out to uh, past guest Chris Miller from over in the Okaboji area. Uh, he was down. Where was that? Toledo term? Bend. Toledo Bend. Same yeah, place that yeah. Millican one. Yep, exactly. Toledo Bend um, was in 33rd place after uh, day one. Uh, was absolutely hammering them. Uh, I saw him right on Facebook. I hope they don't pull water. Uh, and they so, pulled it. Yep. Supposedly they uh, dropped eight to nine inches uh, overnight. Chris went there looking for the same fish, realized uh, they pulled enough water. His fish were no longer there. Tried going deep, just could never uh, relocate them. Uh, only caught one fish on day two. That's fishing. That's, that is. Uh, that's how that's it goes. That's tournament fishing. Um, but, but hats off to Chris Miller. I mean – uh, dude's a freaking tournament fisherman fool. Yep. Uh, he loves it. Yep. Matt and I uh, used to fish against him in the Iowa Great Lakes Bass Club. Uh, always, always, always very welcoming to us. Yeah. Very. Um, you know, always had, had, you know, jokes at Joking the way around, having a good time. He made it, he made it enjoyable. Absolutely. He did. Uh, you know, for a couple of dudes in a walleye boat that uh, <laughs> showed up to the bass tournaments, um, most of those guys always treated us spectacular. Um, they, I don't know. We had a lot of fun with those guys. I'd like to get out there and, and fish with them a couple tournaments again this year. Uh, I think hopefully we can pull that off, but, uh, yeah. um, yeah, still, you know, that's, uh, 
you know, there, there's a lot of dudes that are, uh, you know, loving, loving tournament bass fishing, but very few go and, and do it at the highest level. And uh, he's, he's pushing himself and challenging himself. Absolutely. That's so awesome to yeah, see. No doubt about it. So uh, Can't help but cheer for guys like that, that, you know, especially when they're local guys and guys that you know. I mean, always rooting for them. Yep. Plus, he was a freaking hell of an interview. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was a lot of fun. He <laughs> was think, definitely a lot of fun. I think he was having a great night. <laughs> Yeah, and Jordan Hurt had a good tournament yep. this weekend yep, down on Lake Kefala. Right. So yep. I think he ended up in 30-something or something like that. Hell so yeah. Hell coming yeah. Coming home with $8,000 check. So. That don't hurt. No, not at all. Um, Better than a kick in the shorts is what they say. That's right. Those are your good news stories? Yep, those are mine. Um, I'm going to go with uh, it's my grandpa's birthday this week. I I, I was hoping you were going to go with that. 97 years old. 97 He's years be old. 97, so. Badass. He was down at Bing, Ellsworth Fireman's Bingo the was other he? night. Good. He was one of the first ones to win, so then they have like a drawing for a lawnmower. You know, you guys did the pallet of beer. They do a lawnmower up there in cash. Since he was one of like the first winners of the night, he was the one that got to draw the names out of the, out nice. of the bucket. So nice. He was pretty excited about that. I mean. Hustler lawnmower from yep. Dan Service? Yep. Shit, yeah. That's a good lawnmower right yeah, there. Last year, they drew, I don't know who won it. But then for fun, they're like, well, we're going to draw two more names. And Shut both up. of those were mine. No kidding, both of them? Yep. Didn't get anything. Right. This year, all of a sudden, my brother's like, hey, you want to buy tickets again? Um, and I started looking at it. The grand prize was the lawnmower. All of a sudden, they have second and third prizes. It's like cash. I'm like, sure, you guys yep. do it this year. That's I see how, how it. it is. That's how they do That's it. That's how it is. But no, Grandpa's birthday, he's going to be 97. So happy birthday to him. That's my good news story of the week. Heck yeah. Um I actually uh, got a new uh, little portable uh, voice recorder. Um, I'm thinking that it plugs into the computer. Um, We are hoping to do another Deitch Boys episode here. Um, From from the sound of it, Matt's brothers, Matt's dad, Matt's grandpa, Matt's uncle. uh, Hoping to get just a whole slew of Deitches there. Um, Who knows how off the rails this could get, (laughs) but uh, I I mean, I I hope it does. I hope it goes there. Um, You know, maybe it won't be our normal weekly episode. Maybe it'll be uh, uh, some some sort of a special episode. I don't know what we're going to do. I'll probably stay out of it and let the Deitches hash it out. I, I mean, I'm going to be there. But, oh, yeah. uh, no, you're um, going to you know, be I'll be the moderator. Yeah. But, uh, no, I am i don't know. We've got to get this done. Oh, yeah, I've we been, do. I've been after Matt for a while that, you know, man, this is something that we got to do. I'm really looking forward to it. So, hopefully in the next couple of weeks uh, you see something uh, with that coming out. But uh, with that, I believe uh, we're going to call that an end to uh, episode 215. We appreciate all you guys uh, for for tuning in. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next week. Later. Later.